Good morning. Man, it is awesome to see all of you here as our children up to age five or grade five make their way downstairs. Um, I just want to take a moment to welcome everybody. We've got people from all over the United States watching online this morning because we've got some families that are going to be baptized this morning. Looking forward to that. We've got a fellowship hall full of people that um, uh, it was done my heart good to see it filling up this morning as well. But it's good to see the sanctuary full. We're here this morning. We're here this morning to celebrate. And over the last many years, we've tried to put an emphasis on three things in our worship service. We tried to put an emphasis on praise. And Tommy, y'all knocked it out of the park this morning, brother. But... Before we get started this morning, I want us to put an emphasis on prayer. Prayer is our communication with God. Christ came, died, and separated. Took away that veil that separated us from God. And this morning, we have a great, great, great ability to be able to come to Him. We don't have to go before an altar. We don't have to go before, before a high priest. We can go straight to him through Jesus Christ. And this morning, I'm asking that we take time to do that. So if you will, go ahead, bow your heads, close your eyes. Clear your mind of everything that is going on. Clear your mind of the chaos of the media. Clear your mind of the chaos of your week. Clear your mind of your vacation plans as soon as I say amen. Clear your mind of everything that is keeping you from hearing God. And let's take a moment and acknowledge him. Father, this morning, I am so thankful for the opportunity to stand not only before all these people, but also to stand before you, God, and proclaim the most beautiful love story we have ever heard. Father, there's no doubt in my mind that there are certain things that are hindering each and every one of us right now. It may be anger. It may be bitterness. It may be jealousy or greed. It may be financial situations. It may be family disruption. But this morning, Lord, I'm asking that you would help us all to clear our hearts and minds of everything that's going on and allow ourselves just a few moments to reflect on your word, to reflect on your love, and to reflect, Lord, on the greatest day in history when your son annihilated death and made a way for us to come boldly before your throne. Father, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for everyone that is here this morning. Thank you for my brothers and sisters that are worshiping in other congregations this morning. I'm so thankful to hear from so many of them already this morning, from the sunrise services to the early morning services, about the response of people coming out to hear your word. But Father, my heart this morning is that everyone who hears the word this morning would not just be a hearer of the word, but that we would be a doer of the word. Father, you came to complete a mission 
But when you left, you gave us a mission to go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that you have commanded us to help them observe. And you promised, Lord, that regardless of the time, regardless of the situation, regardless of anything that may be going on in our lives, that you would be with us to the very end. Thank you for that this morning, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Every good story has a real good plot that goes along with it. And every good plot has a conspiracy that's wrapped up in it. I grew up in the 90s. So a lot of the stories that I remember growing up were Tom Clancy stories. How many of y'all remember those? I still watch them. I never read the book. I ain't going to lie to you. And so everybody's like, oh, that was the, I read that book in a week. It was the best book. I watched the movie in two hours. It was good too, guys. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> Honestly. But I was always intrigued with the Jack Ryan novels. Not the books, the movies, okay? The Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger. But my favorite of all, The Sum of All Fears where Jack Ryan was doing his best to undo a conspiracy that was taking place inside the Soviet government. And in the end, we see that actually both governments were working together for the betterment of all the world. These books and these movies gave birth to some of the greatest video games as well. I was sitting here thinking about all the video games that come out from the Jack Ryan series about Rainbow Six. Jay, my brother-in-law, is here this morning. He'll remember some of these. Ghost Recon, Splinter Cell. For some of you younger ones, y'all probably played Call of Duty, right? Well, without all these other ones, Call of Duty wouldn't have existed, so you're welcome. Um, <laughs> But I mean, we loved these stories because in the middle of these stories, this conspiracy was taking place. A conspiracy to do harm to others. Conspiracy is a word that we're not unfamiliar with today, is it? Everywhere we turn, we hear the word conspiracy. The only difference is most of the conspiracies that we hear today are more of a theory and not a fact. We've had this conspiracy of the virus. Where did it come from? How did it get released? Is it attack? We had the conspiracy of the vaccines. Why did they put them out too fast? Is there a tracking device? That one's been the funniest one to me. And I'm going to share with you why. They've been tracking us for a long time, guys. I don't know if you know this or not. <laughs> this thing right here. They've been tracking us for a long time. And what gets me the most is we'll drive away from home. We'll leave it on the counter. We'll drive away from home. We'll get halfway to wherever we're going. We'll turn around and go back and get our tracking device. <laughs> you ever thought about that? God forbid they don't know where we're at. There's been the conspiracy of the election. There's been the conspiracy of politics. And all these things have done one thing. And they've done exactly what conspiracy theories are created to do. They divided us. From the very beginning, conspiracy theories have been trying 
to divide us. That is their purpose. But a true conspiracy is not created to divide, but to hurt. To hurt us at our core. To hurt us where we're most vulnerable. A theory is nothing more than speculation. True conspiracy can cause great harm. The story of the cross, the story of the resurrection, itself is surrounded by conspiracy. When Jesus came to this earth, his whole life was, cons- was surrounded by conspiracy. Every conspiracy, guys, has a villain. The villain in this story is one that we're all familiar with. Some call him Satan, some call him Lucifer, some even call him the devil. But from the very beginning, his plan, his plan has been simple, to destroy God's work. I want you to, rem- I want you to know this this morning. You are God's work. His plan is clear. He wants to destroy you. One of his greatest tactics is a theory. A theory divides us. But deeper than that, he came to hurt us. If Satan was going to complete his plan, Satan knew he couldn't do it alone. Satan knew that he was going to need help to bring this plan through. The first person he brought into this plan when Jesus came to this earth was a king by the name of Herod. When Herod heard that the king of the Jews had been born, Herod was greatly distressed. Distressed to the point that in his heart, he had already set a plan to kill him. After he was tricked by the Magi, and I know some of you are saying, Scotty, this isn't Christmas. Guys, it's all wrapped together. Some of us missed Christmas, so Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> but it's all wrapped together. When the Magi betrayed Herod, he said it in his heart to kill every child in the region of Bethlehem under the age of two. Satan's plan to destroy God's work was in full effect. After that, Satan realized he needed someone else. He needed someone else to come alongside to be his co-conspirator. So who would he choose? Who would he enlist to be a part of this conspiracy? And in Mark chapter 3, verse 6, we see it loud and clear. The Pharisees went out and immediately began to conspire with the Herodians against him. Talking about Jesus. As to how they might destroy him. It's always been Satan's plan. Since he was booted out of heaven. To undo everything that God had done. What gets me the most is the people that he chose. The people that he chose to help him unravel this plan. This plan of destruction, this plan of chaos, this plan of death.
He chose the religious people. He chose the people who were good. He chose the people who followed all the rules, did all the right things, talked to the right people, but they didn't truly talk to God. But even the Pharisees knew that they were going to need help. They were going to need help to bring this plan forth. So they chose somewhere that nobody expected. They chose from within. They chose one who had been with Jesus for three years. And when Jesus had arrived in Bethany, he went to the house of Simon the leper. And there was a young lady who acknowledged who Jesus was. Her heart was broken because of the forgiveness that is being offered through this man. So she takes an alabaster flask, very expensive, breaks it, and anoints Jesus' head. One of the disciples didn't exactly agree with what was going on. He looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, why? Why are you allowing this woman to do this? We could take that flask, sell it, and use it to fund all kinds of missions. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds good, doesn't it? But deep inside, Judas had a different intent. After he was rebuked by Jesus, Judas left met with the high priest and sold out our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for 30 pieces of silver. You want to know what gets me? He complained about the alabasca flask. Could have been sold for a year's wages. Sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, which didn't even equivalent a month's salary. Our heart gets angry, doesn't it? Our heart gets angry at Herod for trying to kill our Jesus. Our heart gets angry at Judas because he betrayed our Lord and Master. Our heart gets angry with the Pharisees because of their plan to come alongside of Satan and do everything that he was trying to do. Our heart gets angry with Pilate because he's the one who allowed the order to be filled. But brothers and sisters, this morning we've got to realize one thing. There were secret co-conspirators behind the scenes working their ways with their lives and making it necessary for Jesus' death on the cross. Who are those co-conspirators? They're us. Each one of us has a responsibility when it comes to what took place on the cross. Each one of us had a part in it. And I know some of you may be thinking, Scotty, 
Where are you getting this? And I want to get, give you your answer. Not from a portion of the New Testament, but I want us to go back to the Old Testament. In Isaiah 53, and I want us to look at how we had a part in the conspiracy of the cross. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 1, says this. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty and he that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken for who? For men. A man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And like one whom men had hid their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely whose? Our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, all of us, all of us, like sheep, have grown astray. Each of us have turned to his own ways, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. It's a thought we don't like to visit. It's a thought that we don't like to think about. But it's a thought at the same time that we have to wrestle with. The cross was necessary. The cross was necessary to pay the punishment for our sins. From the very beginning, blood had to be shed for any sin that was committed. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, only one rule existed. Don't eat of the tree. After they had ate of the tree, a lot of people missed this. Animal skins were taken to clothe their shame. For that animal skin to exist, something had to die. Later on, after all of Israel had been captive in Egypt for a very long time, Herod himself made a decree that all the firstborn of Israel would die. But what Herod didn't realize is he was sealing a fate for his own people. Moses was instructed to tell all the children of Israel to put blood over your doorsteps, over your doorpost, so that the death angel would pass you by. Blood had to be shed. 
for those children to be spared. Later on, when the tabernacle started, when God had put everything in place, sacrifices had to daily, sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, and sometimes yearly be made for the atonement of sin. Whenever a person would come across a sin that they had committed, they were to take a goat. And a lot of people miss this in the scripture. They had to take a goat. They brought the goat to the altar. They placed their hand on the goat as a symbol of passing their sin. And you know what they did next? A lot of people think it was the priest that killed the goat. No, the person who passed his sin onto the goat had to slit its throat. The blood was taken and applied on the altar for remission of sin. Our sin's nasty, guys. Our sin is ugly. Our sin is deadly. And while it may not affect us right away all the time, don't miss this. Our sin affected what took place on the cross. Because of what took place on the cross, we have remission from our sin. Because of what took place on the cross, we have forgiveness. But don't miss this, guys. Sure, Judas had a part in the plan. Sure, Herod had a part in the early plan. The Pharisees had a part in the plan. The Pilate had a part in the plan. But do not forget, we all had a part in the plan as well. We were a part of that conspiracy. But you want to know the beautiful thing about the cross? You want to know the beautiful thing about the resurrection? It had a conspiracy of its own. In verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that was led to a slaughter, and like a lamb that is silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with the wicked, and yet he was with the rich man in his death. Because he has done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus had come to live a life perfection. And because of this life of perfection, he became the ultimate atonement for our soul. He became the ultimate atonement for our sin. He became the ultimate sacrifice that would undo all other sacrifices. One of the things that gets me the most, and this really gets me the most, guys, is while Jesus stood or stood there on that cross, hands spread out, Nails through his hands, just a mile away. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of goats, sheep, pigeons, all these things were being slaughtered. 
They were trying to do away with their sin a mile away. And Jesus Christ on Golgotha did away with it all. Our plan was to be God. And I know some of you say, Scotty, I never wanted to be God. When you chose what was right, when you chose what was wrong, you chose to be God of your life. But Christ died to offer you forgiveness. The conspiracy of the cross and the conspiracy of the resurrection was designed before the earth was even created. Peter even tells us that before the foundations of the earth, Christ had already set it in his mind to die for our sins. This conspiracy against Satan, this conspiracy against us, was doing us a favor when we least realized it. So what did the cross, what did the resurrection do for us? The cross brought an end to our guilt. The cross brought an end to our shame. The resurrection brought an end to a sin's power over us. The resurrection brought an end to death's grip on us. They brought an end to our past. They brought an end to our defeat. They brought an end to our punishment of lying, stealing, adultery, and greed. They brought an end to our enslavement of addiction, idolatry, lust, and hate. They freed us from Satan's snare. They gave us eyes to see his traps. They awakened us to a life of slumber and delivered us into a life of abundance, guys. They destroyed Satan's tactics of isolation, um, doubt, and fear. They destroyed any accusation that he could ever bring against us. They gave us a victory we could not have won, and they gave us a hope greater than anything we could have ever achieved. The cross has made Satan powerless, guys, and the resurrection has made the grave empty. We are free. We are free. We are free. It was a conspiracy against us, and we never saw it. We had our plans. We had our way. We had our lives. We conspired against him, and they conspired against us. There's only two differences, guys. We conspired against God to hurt him. He conspired against us to help us. In verse 10 of Isaiah 53, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting an end to grief. Many of us have heard the song at the cross where Jesus was crucified. The wrath of God was satisfied. You realize the wrath that is due you was put on his son so that you wouldn't have to experience it. He goes on to say, if he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his 
offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge of the righteous one, my servant will justify the many as he will bear the iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself were the sin for many and interceded for the transgression. The greatest conspiracy, part of the greatest conspiracy that has ever taken place in this earth, we were all a part of. But there was a conspiracy to undo our conspiracy. And it came at the expense of someone who loved us so much that he didn't hold anything back. I said it a couple of weeks ago, guys. Jesus had to allow himself to die. He could have stopped it. But if he had to stop it, there would be no forgiveness for any of us. If he had not died, our sin debt would not be paid. But if he had not rose, we wouldn't have the hope that we have that tomorrow is even brighter than today. Brothers and sisters, we celebrate today. And we're celebrating in a completely different way. This morning we're getting to baptize six. One of the most beautiful things about that is when they step into these waters, they will be acknowledging their need for Christ. They are stepping into these waters as a sinful person. When they are immersed into the water, they are telling the world that I identify with Christ's death. And when they come out of the water, they're telling the world, I identify with his resurrection. I got to ask you this this morning. Do you identify with that? This morning, do you realize that you were part of what killed Jesus? This morning, do you realize that that death was specifically for you? And this morning, do you believe that when he rose from the dead, that he showed his victory over it all? And that by simply believing in that, your sins are forgiven. You are granted eternal life. Your shame is no more. Your guilt is gone. Not because of what you did, but because of what he did so many years ago. This morning, if this is the first time that you've realized that in your life, 
I want to ask you to do two things. Stop your conspiracy. Quit trying to control your life. You have no more control over your life than I do of my five-year-old sons. And if you want to try it, I'll give them to you for a week. You have no control. Even when you think you have control, the world throws something at you. This morning, I'm asking you to let go, to repent, to turn from your conspiracy and realize that God has more life from you than this world can ever offer. And then I'm asking you to believe. I'm asking you to believe that Jesus came to this earth to live a sinless life. 33 years he did it. I didn't even make it three months. 33 years he led a sinless life. When he was 33, he was taken to a cross. He was nailed on that cross. While he is on that cross, with a crown of thorns pushed down into his brow, he gave up his spirit. He was stabbed in the side with a spear. Blood and water flowed. With a loud cry, he yelled out, It is finished. That was Satan's pink slip, if you don't know it. He was buried in a tomb, sealed, roped off to where no man can get it. And on the third day, to show his victory over death, he busted out of that tomb. And he showed the world that the victory had already been won. Tell me it sounds far-fetched. Tell me that sounds, Scott, that's hard to believe. Give me a break. We believe conspiracy theories every day. We believe speculation every day. But brothers and sisters, this isn't speculation. This is a fact. Christ died. Christ rose. And this morning, you can too. Tommy. We're going to have a time of invitation. And I want to invite you this morning. If you have never made a profession of Jesus Christ as Lord, Master, Savior in your life this morning, I'm inviting you to come. This morning, maybe it's just been awoken in you to who God really is again. And we all have those moments. We get astray. Maybe this morning you just want to pour your heart out in thanks to Him. I'm inviting you to come. This morning, maybe you just need, need to pray. You need God to help you with a situation that only he can do it. I'm inviting you to come. As they stand, and as our baptism candidates go and get ready for baptism, as we stand, I'm inviting you. Stop the conspiracy. Your conspiracy's already been crushed. Father, this morning... I'm so thankful for what you've done because even in my best efforts, God, I've never been able to make myself right with you. 
But because of what was done on the cross and because what was done on that Sunday morning 2,000 years ago, we are free. We no longer have to deal with the shame. We no longer have to deal with the past. We no longer have to deal with our guilt. We no longer have to deal with any of these because you took it. So this morning, Lord, draw your children to yourself. Do what only you can do. As they sing, Lord, this morning, my heart is for many to surrender their life to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As they sing, your invitation is simple. Come.